Listening to the Sentinel Speakeasy, the official podcast of the Sydney Sentinel, the independent voice of Sydney, located at sydneysentinel.com.au. Hi, I'm Travis DeJong, podcast producer and features editor of the Sentinel. And I'm Peter Hackney, the editor in chief. It's Tuesday, the 21st of September, and this is episode 10 of season two of the Sentinel Speakeasy. Well, today we're celebrating a very special milestone because it's the first anniversary of the Sydney Sentinel. Peter, it's been a year since you launched The Sentinel, and in this episode, we're going to turn the table on you and we're going to interview you. So I want to explore the reasons behind your re- decision to uh, establish The Sentinel. We're going to look back at some of The Sentinel's highlights over the past year, and we're going to talk about the future plans. Uh, and we'll hear some of, from some of the section editors and contributors as well who have made this publication so unique and now celebrating its first birthday. Yeah, well, look, that sounds fantastic. I'm really looking forward to being on the other ty- other side of the table, so to speak. Well, thanks, Peter. But as usual, we're going to do the top stories first. So these are the top stories that you will find on sydneysentinel.com.au. Residents of the Common Ground housing estate in Camperdown are demanding compensation after enduring two weeks of hard lockdown after four of the 130 residents tested positive for COVID-19. The Common Ground Action Group alleges that they were given little health or operational information and were over-policed during the two-week lockdown, which ended on Wednesday the 15th of September. The group says that during the lockdown, residents were denied access to fresh food, some residents were unable to access essential medicines, that police searched their deliveries, that alcohol was confiscated, and that eight residents were forcibly removed by New South Wales Police just before the lockdown began and taken to the Concord Hospital Drug and Alcohol Clinic. Legal observers New South Wales condemned the inappropriate policing, saying that the sudden and poorly communicated hard lockdown had left residents confused and distressed. A spokesperson for Common Ground Action Group alleged the residents of an affluent private rental or owner-occupied apartment building would not have been treated in the same way. Mission Australia, the Christian charity organisation which oversees Common Ground, has defended the public health response and has thanked all involved in the lockdown, including the tenants. And for more on that story, you can visit sydneysentinel.com.au. As the New South Wales Parliament debates a bill to allow voluntary assisted dying, Dying with Dignity New South Wales board member Geoffrey R. Usher has written an op-ed for the Sentinel in which he opined that people should be able to live and die on their own terms. In the article, the Unitarian minister said he believed in the right of every person, not only to freedom of belief, but also freedom of choice in matters which affect their lives and well-being, including end-of-life decisions. It seems quite illogical, he wrote, that although suicide is no longer a criminal offence, it is still against the law to assist somebody to commit suicide. Last week, Queensland became the fifth Australian state to legalise voluntary assisted dying, also known as voluntary euthanasia. Usher urged supporters of moves to legalise it in New South Wales to write to their members of parliament. In the wake of this year's Women's Safety Summit, Sydney Lord Mayoral candidate Yvonne Weldon has called on the City of Sydney to establish its first domestic violence shelter. 
In a Sentinel exclusive, Miss Weldon, who is running for Lord Mayor of Sydney on Saturday 4th of December, expressed shock that the City of Sydney had not established a publicly funded shelter unlike several other LGAs. She said the need for such a shelter in the LGA had only increased in the COVID-19 era, with lockdown having a negative impact on services for family violence and the women and children who need them. The shelter Miss Weldon had proposed would accommodate approximately 200 women and children who have been displaced and rendered homeless by domestic violence. Miss Weldon, who would be Australia's first ever Aboriginal Lord Mayor if elected, is running in the local government elections under the Unite for Sydney banner. For the full story, visit sydneysentinel.com.au. And in a change of pace now, the Sentinel has today interviewed Australian alt-rock icon Ben Lee. The Sentinel's music writer, Danny Waterson, caught up with Ben today, fresh off his surprise appearance on Channel 10's The Masked Singer as The Professor. Ben, whose hits include Catch My Disease, Love Me Like the World Is Ending, and We're All In This Together, spoke with Danny about his new music, his recent spat with Guy Sebastian over COVID-19 vaccinations, his work with Kylie Minogue, and much more. And that interview is is uh, will be up on the Sentinel's website very shortly. And I'm really looking forward to reading it. I know it'll be another great one from Danny. He really does do some great work for us. Good job, he Danny. Does. I'm looking forward to that too. Yeah. Uh, it's a very timely interview too with Ben Song. We're all in this together, becoming a bit of a lockdown anthem. <laughs> it is, for sure. And so those are just some of the stories you will find on the Sydney Sentinel. For more news as well as a huge range of arts and entertainment content, feature articles, interviews and opinion, as well as queer, vegan and news content, visit sydneysentinel.com.au. You can also find us on Facebook at The Sydney Sentinel, on Instagram at Sydney underscore Sentinel, and on Twitter at Sydney underscore Sentinel. And now it's time for our very special guests, and we don't have to travel too far to speak to them because on this episode of The Sentinel Speak, you see, of course, our special guest is you, Peter. So it you, is. You, that makes it easy this week, doesn't it? It does. It does. Look, I'm, I'm really thrilled. So, Peter Hackney, you are the editor-in-chief of the Sydney Sentinel, uh, but you're also, like, really, this this is entirely your baby, isn't it? Like, the Sentinel and the speakeasy and everything. What, what, what made you start it in the first place? Well, before I answer that, it, it is something I did start, but it's not just my baby. I kind of consider everybody involved. It's it's their baby too, because there is no way I could do something like this on my own. So, uh, you know, without people like you and and all the other section editors and contributors. But um, <laughs> but thank you. But uh, what made me? There's a couple of things that made me start it. A couple of uh, that led to the formation of the Sentinel. Um, partly personal reasons and partly sort of wider sort of societal reasons. So mm-hmm. the personal reasons were that, um, I mean, I've worked in media uh, since the early 2000s. You know, I love journalism, um, but there are things I don't love about it. Uh, I don't, well, let's be quite frank. I was kind of, to be quite frank, kind of sick of work, working for asshole publishers. And I thought, well, you know what? <laughs> why don't I start my own publication? Mm. Um, was there a particular reason or moment in time or circumstance that made you think this is the time for this publication or this is I want to start it because of this situation? Not really. It was something that was bubbling away. Um, <laughs> but but 
I suppose, well, I suppose, look, the second reason that I wanted to start it is is really also because I think that there's such a lack of media diversity mm. uh, and, and a lack of voices across the media spectrum, you know, whether it's local news, whether it's national news, and that's the other reason really. So um, so apart from that, that personal reason for wanting to start my own thing and wanting to be my own boss uh, and, and, you know, um, branch out with my own thing. I, I, that, that was the other thing. I really just wanted to, I think there's always room for more voices in, in the media landscape um, yeah. because, as we know, it's controlled really by just a handful of people in Australia. Even the processes, don't you find? Like even like the processes of how the, the way that things are reported and what gets reported and what doesn't, I sort of feel like that's, that's all a very kind of everyone's just doing the same yeah. thing. That's right. And I wanted, that's the, the point of difference, I think, for the Sentinel is that we are a progressive publication and, and proudly so, like we don't pretend that we're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, um, you know, I don't think there's enough, oh, there's not really as much in the way of progressive voices in the Australian mm-hmm. media scene. I mean, the whole you know, obviously the biggest player in the scene is is the Murdoch press, which mm. is just absolutely huge. Mm. Even um, some of the traditionally more left-leaning publications such as the Herald mm-hmm. uh, are now owned by, you know, nine, you know, Channel 9, nine, yeah. nine entertainments. Yeah. Um, so it just feels like there's, it just really felt to me like there's room for, you know, for another, for, for sort of a more um, progressive, more diverse uh, voice. Yeah. Um, the other reason too, I should mention that I started it is because it is the Sydney Sentinel and mm. it is, um, I, I have a great passion for Sydney. I think it's a fantastic city mm. and I, I'd love to to serve it, I suppose, by contributing. And this is my way. I mean, this is my occupation, my career. So this is a way I'd like to contribute yeah. with, with a local uh, newspaper for Sydney. Hello, my name is Gary Nunn. I am the editor-at-large at the Sydney Sentinel. Looking back, I can see my first article for the Sydney Sentinel was in November 2020. So we're coming up for the year anniversary of my first piece for you guys and also your one-year anniversary, one-year birthday. So happy birthday. Um, I love the Sentinel because it gives a progressive voice in a media market that is dominated by those who are right at the centre. And progressive voices don't often get heard in this country. So, um, and certainly for Sydney, you are providing a unique voice that's progressive and edgy and celebrates the arts. And I just want to say happy birthday. Here's to many more ahead. Hi, I'm Rita Bratovich. I'm the Arts and Entertainment Editor at the Sydney Sentinel. I was there when it all began last year in September and I'm proud to still be here a year later to help celebrate its first anniversary. What I love about the Sentinel is that it champions new voices and looks for stories other publications aren't telling. It's got a great group of writers and that gives it a nice variety of tone and lots of different perspectives. Thanks for taking a chance in a risky climate and providing opportunities for a motley crew of scribes. Happy birthday, Sydney Sentinel. Good luck and keep doing good work. 
I'm really glad you brought that up because that was definitely going to be my next question about, you know, like why the, why the Sydney-specific focus. And one of the things I was reading in your bio and and, and mm-hmm. anyone can listening to this, you can have a look at sydneysentinel.com.au. We've got a, um, a, a contributor section, so everyone who writes for us, we have a little bio on them. And your your bio, Peter, is, is um, it's clear that you love the city of Sydney and that you love New yeah. South Wales. Um why the specific focus on Sydney? What? Why? Why not a more national? Why not a more national? A um, couple of reasons. I mean, yeah. The, well, the first reason is because I just think Sydney is an amazing city, and secondly, it's also. I mean, this is where where I live. This is where I, I, I can contribute, where I know. Um, I am actually from Queensland originally. I was born in Queensland, but I, I moved south. Usually it's the other way around. People people tend to move to Queensland, <laughs> but I, I went against the tide for some reason. Um, but um, um, and then the other the other reason, I suppose, is it's a question of resources. I mean, mm. you know, to start up a, a, like a national newspaper, I mean, you need to have uh, staff and contributors in every capital, every every state and territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that, um, you know, I mean, who knows, maybe one day, but it's not something that uh, when I was starting this out that, that I, that, you know, was really on the table. But, yeah. but I'm quite happy with that too. I mean, I, I don't think your media outlet has to be, has to have something for everyone and cover, you know, everything. Yeah, um, I, I know what you mean. There's something, yeah. there's something yeah. quite uh, powerful about that localised approach. And, you know, without buying yeah. too much into this whole, engine of the nation thing um there is a little bit of truth in that though isn't there like i mean if it's happening in sydney it's happening in australia i mean there's a little bit of that there um, is i mean like paul keating famously said if you're if you're not in sydney you're camping out um (laughs) i don't necessarily you know with apologies to melbourne and brisbane and wherever else i don't necessarily agree with him but there is if you're in sydney and you're covering sydney events you are actually covering events also by default of national importance Hmm. um, because Sydney is really the de facto, I mean, it's not our capital in name, but it is Hmm. our capital in in all but name. It's kind of the de facto capital of Australia and, frankly, Canberra is just where Parliament sits, everything else. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and there's a reason why the Prime Minister has, there's, you know, apart from the lodge in Canberra, he has the, there's the, um, at Kirribilli, the, um, you know, he's got a house there too. He doesn't have one in any other city. Um, There's certainly people coming from overseas or people, you know, visiting, you know, it's when you think Australia, the instant thing is Sydney. Uh, I mean, this is how it happens to be. And the thing that I find particularly interesting about um, New South Wales and Sydney in particular compared to all the other states is that it was the one that just happened the most organically, you know, like, I mean, people, you know, settled first. And, you know, even the way that people live together, it's really like a whole bunch of people from everywhere you know, it just has to work. Exactly. Right? That's, that's what I love about exactly. And and it wasn't really. I mean, you go to Adelaide and even Melbourne, uh, and they're very planned. And Canberra, yeah. uh, they're very planned cities. Um, Sydney really just grew up organically. It just mm. exploded really mm. out of out of the earth and just. And it's ever since then. It's it's just been a mishmash of cultures and people and influences and yeah. and I don't think there's any way really like that in Australia. Um, so yeah. I just. Love it. I think it's a great place. And I mean, it's hard to see now because we're in lockdown and, and mm. you know, everything's sort of ground almost to a halt. But mm. um, 
will spring back to life soon. So I'm sure I'm sure it will. And I mean, one of the things like we were saying is that, you know, that this is a very much a, a, a local perspective on national issues, which I really love. And then let's talk about my, right, yeah. my next question for you then is you've got some very specific sections, you know, it, I think that are really quite progressive and inclusive. And then that we're talking about, um, you know, like we've got dedicated vegan section, a dedicated queer section, um, so this is, you know, it, we're we're not a yeah a, a left we're not a left paper we're not a right paper we're not a gay paper we're not a straight paper we're, we, you you encompass a lot of very specific kind of um, areas and I'm, uh, tell me about your selection of those areas. Uh, yeah, well, I just I mean we have yeah as you said we have dedicated queer uh, vegan youth sections as well as the regular sort of news mm. features opinion um, and look um, why did you do that I just yeah. want to give voice to those and platform. Uh, I suppose um, people and 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 areas of life that perhaps don't get as much coverage in the mainstream media. I mean, we are an alternative media publication. I do see mm. us as as not a mainstream publication. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, we cover some of the same things, but I, I really do want to give voice to to um, you know to platform voices from outside the mainstream. So that's mm. one of the main reasons I included those sections. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, do you feel that those, do you feel that those are maybe underrepresented in mainstream media or something or what was the reason uh, to an extent I mean the the obviously the LGBT the, the the queer stuff has in the recent years become a lot more uh, represented in the mainstream you know especially mm-hmm. since the the marriage equality debate and and equality occurring uh, but there is still room for I think dedicated coverage of that area yeah. um, I think obviously in, in terms of vegan content i mean veganism is is on the rise it's a huge movement but again there's a lot of there's not really that much coverage really in in the mainstream media of vegan issues a lot of it is quite patronizing as well or it's mm. or there's kind of a bit of a tone of judgmentalism mm. um so yeah and and then in terms of youth content i mean i suppose look that that youth content is quite well represented i think that's that's probably not in the same category as mm. queer and vegan issues because mm. the, the, you know we do live in a youth obsessed culture really yeah. but my idea for the youth section is is really just to nurture and support young writers and yeah. and we have a, a on that note we have a good relationship with the journalism school at western sydney university um yeah. And our youth editor, Corin Shearston, is mm. is currently a student at Western Sydney University. And so is our new news editor, Tilia Dobson, um, who who started with us uh, oh, a couple of months ago now. And she's, um, you know, so it's good. And I think it's great to have young people involved because I'm, mm. I'm in my mid-40s. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't see myself as old yet. I don't, I probably never will. <laughs> but <laughs> it's great to have younger people's voices and new ideas coming yeah. into, into okay. any publication. I think. Hi, I'm Corin Chiston, youth editor at the Sydney Sentinel. I've been part of their diverse team since November 2020, and I'm one of their youngest writers. I really like the open-mindedness of the publication and our editor-in-chief, Peter Hackney. I've been able to write about inspiring young creators while branching out into stories about politics, education, and the arts, and interviewing diverse people along the way from primary school kids to Sydney councillors. I would like to congratulate Peter on running the Sydney Sentinel for over a year, with much respect to the team for their journalistic efforts. Here's to many more birthdays. 
G'day, I'm Elizabeth Usher, the vegan editor at the Sydney Sentinel since it was founded in 2020. I love that this publication has an entire dedicated section to highlight and celebrate Sydney's thriving vegan community. It's been a challenging year across the board, so congratulations to Peter and my colleagues for making it a great one regardless. Here's to hopefully being able to celebrate the Sentinel's second birthday in person together in September 2022. And you've got some older people's voices in there as well, which I also yes, do. It's a very diverse writing crew. It is a very diverse It is crew. A, a diverse crew. It's a motley crew. <laughs> and <laughs> and I say that as a, I think that's a good thing. I think yeah. That, yeah. Um, I really like that. And I think that um, that's how my own life is. I mean, in my personal mm. life, I have friends and, and associates and contacts from all walks of life, all different ages. Mm. And I think... I'd like to reflect that. That's that's the good thing about I have to say about having your own publication. You can, you know, you can put your own ideas about how things should be into practice, yeah. and and that's what I'm. That? Well, when you when, when you're representing these sorts of sections and stuff, and you mentioned before that often, you know, like these uh, these you know different areas are getting more coverage in mainstream, but they can often be kind of a bit tokenistic and a bit kind of yep. stereotyped. How do you stop that happening? I don't really think that, I mean, that it's something you can stop happening, but what you can mm. do instead, and this is one of the reasons I started The Sentinel, actually going back to your first question, mm. is provide an alternative. So you can provide your own take on these issues and your own coverage that is not tokenistic and that's not patronising. So that's what I, how I like to see it. I, rather than trying to change that or anything, I'm, I just, well, that's fine. They can do their own thing. We'll do it, do it in, our, in our own way. Mm. Um, and, 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 you know, we've been able to do that because we have these great writers. I mean, we have, um, you know, a very passionate vegan woman, Elizabeth Usher, looking after the, the vegan section. Uh, we have yeah. a very strong LGBT representation of the Sentinel. I mean, mm. uh, a big proportion of the writers are queer. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so that's that's really my take on that. Yeah, right. So, yeah. so, so a year ago this month you started the Sydney Sentinel and... Tell us, tell us about those first few months. What what did that look like? How did how did that how did it start? How how in God's name is it funded? That looks so. What that looked like was a lot of hard work, a lot of. You know, I just jumped right in. Really, I think because right. um, that's in, in a way, I, I, yeah. In a way, I think COVID kind of helped me do it because I don't know. Everything seemed to be a bit in a state of flux and a bit. Mm you know, what, what's happening next. And I just thought, well, I've wanted to do this for a while and I may, maybe I'm not ready yet, but let's just jump in and do it. That's kind of what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I've worked at a number of different media outlets and mm-hmm. have contacts at various places, I reached out and, and all of a sudden there were all these other writers who were interested in joining us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually you were one of them a few months after we started, you went there at the very beginning, but it wasn't long and you, you, came yeah. on and said, hey, can I contribute? So it kind of really did happen quite organically. Yeah. Uh, it was just a leap of faith, really. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. quite an optimistic person. I mean, I, really, it's a crazy, if you look at it, it's a crazy time to start a publication <laughs> in the middle of it, our it first is, recession is, yeah. for decades, uh, you know. I mean. Yeah. Did you did you initially envision, like, so did you initially envision that, you know, this was something you were going to start yourself? You thought, oh, I'll start by just writing some stuff and then maybe people will come along and join or or did you really kind of go uh, with that team? You know, you got, no, oh, yeah. I pretty much realised very quickly that there's no way one person can 
no, this that I needed other people on board. So um, I kind of had that in mind straight away. Yeah, um, that I would need. Uh, you know, and we've got, you know, we've got so many sections, and there's a sec. You know, obviously mm. we've got mm. the. We've got um, section editors for each section, and we've got um, we've also got various contributors who who contribute on a more ad hoc basis. We've got yeah. uh, Anne Marie Callahanna is our photographer. She's like um, one of the so best, one, one of Sydney's best photographers. She is amazing. She's incredible. So so we've got this um, amazing team. But yeah, I was just really what really thrill was thrilling to me is that after I started with my little core group, very quickly other people came on board. So yeah. such as yourself, as we mentioned. Uh, people like Gary Nunn, who mm. is our editor at large, which basically means he can write about, you know, anything that takes his fancy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and he's of such, a, you know, a journalist of a such a high caliber. He's a great you know, writer. Just a, yeah, he is, and you know, his pedigree is, you know, the BBC, mm. the ABC, the the Herald, the Guardian. So I, I'm really pleased that um, very quickly the Sentinel was able to uh, attract. Yeah. Uh, people of this caliber. Um, and I think that says a lot about you as well. Like, I mean, for our listeners uh, and our readers out there who are listening right now, if you may not be familiar with some of Peter's earlier work over the last decade or so, but, it, you know, you've done a lot of really amazing investigative stories. You broke a lot of, you know, relatively, you know, big and uh, big stories. And that's how I came to first know you because I, I knew your name right. before I, I, I knew you personally. Um, and yeah. so when I found out that you started your own publication, it was really a no-brainer for me. I, I knew I wanted to, I wanted to do more writing work and and um, to do writing with somebody who I knew actually had some sort of dedicated practice and wrote really great articles and you know had you know had a switched on had a switched on brain was really important <laughs> to me. And I think yeah, you know, well, thank the, you. The, the Sentinel definitely reflects that. Yeah, and look, I'm I'm really. Um, you know, I'm blown away actually by how much we've done in a year and mm. and and um, the various issues we've covered and the various people we've interviewed. I mean, we've sort of um, gone from from nothing mm. to interviewing. You know, I mean, people like the Lord Mayor of Sydney and various politicians. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, all sorts of celebrities and I mean, even you know, people like Mel C from the Spice Girls. Random. I love like, it. Yeah. That who are really, you know, um, lots of people from the arts and entertainment world. I mean, um, you know, this. I mean, I can list off heaps of names actually, mm. which I'm, and, and you know, today we've interviewed Ben Lee. You know, we've interviewed you know, icons like John Paul Young and, um, you know, people like Casey Donovan and all sorts of, um, actually the arts, I have to say, is one of our strongest suits. I also think the news is, you know, like because you guys um, definitely have your fingers on the pulse of not only issues that are important to Australia in general, but certainly, you know, you you always find the the local perspective on, 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 serious big national issues. It might even be something as simple as, I mean, I, I know that housing, policing, all of those sorts of things are really yep. big issues that have been present in the in the paper for a while, as well as having the big celebrity names, which is also, I love that it does celebrate the, um, the personalities that make Sydney. Yeah, for sure. And um, I think um, even when we interview people like, I don't know, say pop, a pop star who lives overseas or something yeah. we yeah. always bring, kind of bring it back to sydney and um mm. generally um we, we tend to ask people what you know obviously we talk about their new music or whatever it is mm. they're promoting or yeah. but we also bring it back to sydney and ask them about their memories and their experiences of sydney and things like that we like to do that 
Hi there, I'm Danny Waterson, music editor with the Sydney Sentinel. I've been with the fantastic team on the Sydney Sentinel since about March 2021. What I love about the Sydney Sentinel is its ability to tap into issues and topics that matter most in a big city like Sydney. And also the fantastic team of writers, editors, photographers, stylists that make the Sydney Sentinel happen and our fantastic editor, Peter Hackney. I want to send a huge congratulations and happy first birthday to everyone at the Sydney Sentinel and all the readers, editors, writers, photographers and everyone who enjoys what we do. Happy birthday. Sure. Um, what have been some of your what, what has been some of your personal favorite stories that, that are featured on the Sentinel? Oh, okay. Um well, actually, one of my favourites is the. There's, we recently ran a three-part series on Juanita Nielsen. Yeah. Uh, now that that was done by um, John Moyle, mm-hmm. and Juanita oh, Nielsen. John. Hi, John. <laughs> yes, hi, John. If you're listening, um, Juanita Nielsen is, of course, the um, you know a Sydney activist and journalist who went missing in the 1970s. Mm. Uh, basically. Um, the short story is she was murdered for standing up to developers. Um, her body's never been found. Um, the New South Wales coroner found that she had died and that she was probably murdered, uh, but they have we don't know who, who did it. But John did probably the most extensive series of articles on Juanita's disappearance mm-hmm. uh, that has ever been published in any media outlet. Yeah. Uh, and John, you know, Juanita was was based in King's Cross. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a newspaper called Now in King's Cross. Uh, and John has lived in King's Cross for decades and he actually knows a lot of the figures involved, a lot of the people who yeah. knew Juanita. Yeah. He was able to get really special insight into, into her life and her disappearance. So that's one of my favourite pieces or favourite topics we've done. On a personal <laughs> note, because I, you know, was... Uh, in the 90s, um, 90s, 80s and 90s kind of mm-hmm. boy, I, guy or I was, <laughs> um, I was thrilled to interview Melanie C from the Spice Girls. That yeah, was that's great. a lot of fun. And, you know, it's good to, it's important to, I mean, it's not, you know, the Sentinel is quite, um, a lot of the stories are quite serious and weighty, but it's also good. We're not ashamed of of dipping our toe into the fluffiness of yeah. Of, the fluffier side of life, like pop music or um, mm. things like that. So that was another favourite. Um, look, there's just been so many. I mean, actually, one of my favourites as well was your interview with Mary Custis, uh, who, uh, who we've also had on the Speakeasy. Yeah. And as everyone will know her as Effie. Uh, and that was just such a great interview you did, Travis. It really got to the nitty-gritty of who she is, yeah. uh, her, her terrible experiences being, you know, rejected because of being a, a wog. And mm. I can say yeah. that word because I am partly yeah. wog as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and just it was really personal. So I, I love personal profiles and personal stories. So, uh, and that was one of the best ones we've done. But look, that I, great story, um, you know, about the Sydney uh, Opera House knockoffs. I, that's still to me one of my favourites. I still share that today. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, that was that was another one that was a bit of more a bit of fun, but actually still interesting. So yeah, that was one I um, put together about. Um, it turns out, I mean, who knew? It turns out there are copycats of the Opera House all over the world, mm. um, especially in in China, but really in countries all over the world. And I did a story. Um, 
collecting, uh, you know, a list, listing them all and getting yeah. photographs of them all and, and reporting on them all. And that was a great one. And the Opera House themselves got in touch and they loved that story and they shared oh, it on their fantastic. socials. And It was a really, so, good, um, one. A really good one. Yeah, that was a great story. Um, From the highlights of the, the past 12 months, um, let's talk a little bit about the, um, before we go into talking about the future, let's talk about the present and how is the Sydney Sentinel like, how is it funded and what are some of the, your biggest challenges? You know, what, what have been some of the biggest challenges you've yeah. faced in the past? So it's funded by, into, by, well, several means, but the main one is, of course, advertising, as with any yeah. media publication. So anyone who's listening who wants to support the Sentinel, one of the main ways you can do that is to advertise your products or your service or whatever it is you have and um, and get in touch. And you can, I mean, you can email me if you like, editor at sydneysentinel.com.au <laughs> and uh, I can send you a media kit. I'm, I'm really doing a sales pitch now. Aren't I? Oh, no, that's, well, <laughs> and, you know, why not? <laughs> so that's that's our main source of funding. We also, uh, when we launched, did also do some crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sort of we had a launch fund so people could donate on GoFundMe. That has closed now, but what we are starting literally this week yeah. is uh, a donation button on each and every story mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the story, kind of like how The Guardian has at the end. You might know at the end of their stories it says mm. something like, you know, a word from The Guardian and then it mentions that, you know, all media outlets need funding and if you'd like to support us, mm. uh, you can do so. And, and we're going to have a few options. So you can either do one-off donations, you can do recurring donations. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's the other, um, that's coming online this week. And we'll, we'll put details and, of that in the podcast notes as we have them. Yeah, so that, that'll be literally every single article will have that. Um, and I think the thing, the thing that people maybe may not be aware of too is that, like, you know, even with the um, actual advertisers advertising spend, every dollar goes into the actual running of, like, us writing articles, doesn't it? it, it there's, it's not, not lining any shareholders' pockets or doing anything. Well, that's right. There's no, you know, it's, we, we're not <laughs> we're not listed on the Australian Stock Exchange. We're not. <laughs> um, we're not and literally we do you know, unlike a lot of, of outlets uh, around our sort of size, mm. we do uh, pay writers for their stories. I mean, a lot of places expect writers to just write for, for exposure mm. or just, I don't know, as a hobby or something like that. But, yeah. but I mean, we see journalism as a profession and it is a mm. profession, uh, you know, and, and to pay everybody for their work um, obviously costs money. So yeah. that advertising and that, um, and, and, you know, also the crowdfunding and, and donations uh, are vital to our, our continued operations. I th- there are some sites, look at, so it has, it has been tough because as I mentioned, mm. you know, we, we, We've launched in. We literally launched uh, during a recession, mm-hmm. uh, and you know it's been a tough time. Uh, yeah. But we've we've been. You know we're still here a year later. So yeah. Um, and I think things can only get better on onwards and upwards from here. Um, so let's talk then about the future. Now we started doing this podcast back. I think in in March or maybe late Feb, something like that. Yeah, we um, did. Now that that came out of because remember we had that Facebook media ban, and yes, that really affected right. us. That was that yes. was another big big thing to overcome. So yeah. we were looking at ways of of diversifying and, and reaching other ways of reaching people. 
Yeah. And you came up with the idea actually of the of the speakeasy. And and we've run with it and and here we are. Yeah. Um so where, where so, would you like to see where would you like to see all of these, you know, like the, the, the publication and the podcast and everything? What's the future hold for all of that? So I've got a few uh, ideas for the future. Um I mean, I would like to bring in a couple more sections. I think um, it would be great if we had an Indigenous section on the Sentinel website. So that's something I'm in discussions with at the with somebody at the moment about. Yeah. Uh, but it needs to be done properly. It has to be someone who, who you know, has good knowledge in that area. It can't just be any old journalist go, oh, yeah, I'll do that. It has mm. to be someone who who has commitment and knowledge in that area. One other idea I'd like to do is is some kind of physical publication. I mean, I, I don't mean um, uh, going you're public pr- printing a regular newspaper, mm. but perhaps a sort of a semi-annual or a biannual mm. or annual publication, collecting mm. the best of our work um, yeah. to get that into print because, you know, a lot of people do still like print. Yeah. And the yeah. other another idea I'd like to sort of perhaps introduce a section where we have essays uh, and also a creative writing section perhaps if you look at a publication like the new yorker which is one of my mm. favorites anywhere i mean i'm not you know they're in a whole other world to us yeah um because they've been around for, for that's a nice that's a nice as, as, uh, you know aspiration. yeah aspirational yeah so if yeah. you look at them they have they publish essays and they publish even poetry and creative writing so their ideas i have for the future that probably i'm thinking in the new year we will will action those ideas yeah. um and apart from that i just really want to grow what we already have and yeah you know keep keep chugging on and doing what we're doing and i'm finding that um as we go the quality of the work is is improving and you know the team is getting stronger and and we're also bringing new people in so i just really want to consolidate what we have Mm. really and then secondly maybe in the new year Mm. start some of these new ideas well what what feedback do you get from people currently um uh, Um, because yeah, I get really well, really nice feedback, really positive feedback. I mean, um, yeah, we get. I suppose people often say that they like the fact that there's, you know, another voice. That's one thing. But people um, often say that the Sentinel has some has has already got a voice. Like hmm. there's some kind of um, commonality in the articles, and that there's a a I suppose a, a voice or a tone. A point of um, difference, would you say? Yeah, and. I mean, I think what we're aiming for is not not so much like a. I mean, it's. I suppose it's an online newspaper, mm-hmm. but it does have elements of, of I suppose, um, you know, it's got a. I suppose it's got a distinct voice, yeah. um, which I like, and and I don't really. Um, well, I suppose that how that's happened is, you know, being being an editor, you you um, have, you know, you have you give direction and you. Yeah parlay your ideas into yeah. into the so yeah that, that's one good thing I, that that, that one i find it's a very difficult thing to do though right like because you know I, I mean people people start publications you know there are new publications on, on, online and elsewhere every day i think to, to yeah. find you know to, to create something that does have a distinct voice is difficult and i actually think and that's cohesive yeah and yeah. that's cohesive yeah and i think that that's i think there's something about you know your approach and the way you think about it again it's coming back to the way that you know for example you really love this you know, and you're not a muckraker, which is, I think, that's you know, actually a big those sorts of things. Yeah, 
Yeah. See, this is the thing, Travis. I'm not actually particularly self-analytical, but when you're asking, you're bringing these things up and you're going, yeah, and I kind of, in a way, have noticed things that I perhaps haven't even Mm. really thought about because I'm not that self-analytical. But yeah, that's one big thing about Centre. We are not about muckraking. We're not about negativity. Mm. Um, I mean, of course, some of the things we publish or or cover are you know, they're not happy stories. I mean, for example, that to do with COVID-19 or whatever, there's a lot, but we don't have that default position that some... Like fear-mongering or anything like that. Yeah, well, fear-mongering or start or sensationalising. And Mm -hmm. I think people are sick of that. And and going back to your question about the feedback we've had, that's one, that's something that I've had from a number of people that, oh, I really like that you're not just, you know, sensationalism and um, muckraking and uh, negative. Yeah. Don't sort yeah. Of come yeah. From. So, yeah, that's probably been the feedback that's pleased me the most, actually. Um, the other feedback I've had, which is really pleasing, is that a lot of, I've had a lot of feedback along along the lines of the, the writing is, is of a high standard. And um, that's, that's really, you can't, you know, that's something you love to hear as an editor. I mean, that's something Absolutely. that... And, and, and I've got to say, that's, uh, I mean, if I might reflect something back to you, and I know this is a little bit of nasal, navel gazing for our audience, <laughs> yeah. but, but one of the things, you know, about Peter is that he, he does, um, and, and it's, I should commend you on it, it is quality means a lot to you. You're very dedicated to it. Like there is no shortcuts. There is no, you know, it's not just about big names, it's not about all that. You, your, your quality control is is... 110%. And I think that that really shows in the publication. And I think, you know, a lot of a lot of other, you know, bigger publications, I feel like because, you know, that they're, they're, they're getting writers that might be, you know, that they have to pay less or that, you know, yeah. um, they don't have to have contracted and stuff like that. And so the quality of journalism has slowly been decaying over the last 20 years. It has, yeah. Um, so to have, to have an eye on quality control the way you do. I think it, it's, it speaks volumes. I mean, you've got great writers. Yep. They know how to write. They, you know, you, you've got it, you've got the focus, you know, squarely on actually talking about issues rather than, you know, making making mountains out of molehills. I think these are all very important things that contribute to a really good publication. Yeah. Well, things like, um, I mean, yeah, and look, just to, I suppose, a bit of an admission, the quality really matters to me and to the point where if there's, I don't know, if there's an apostrophe out of place or if there's a spelling mistake, I mean, to me, the article is just ruined. Like that's how, how I mean, you know, I mean, I know it's not, but that's how I feel. Yeah. So I'm really pedantic about things like that. Um, and look, we don't have a dedicated um subbing team you know yeah. we don't have dedicated proofreaders that's something that because we're a small publication I, I do as part of my role as editor mm. um but i mean that's actually not that unusual now even a lot of big publications now um especially online you know i'm talking about like even news.com.au mm. apparently a lot of articles go up unsubbed and and the, yeah, wow or or they outsource the subbing to some you know to yeah. operation offshore, and you see all these mistakes all the time now on on you know on even on big mastheads and um, wow. yeah it's quite shocking to me that that 
happens. <laughs> and it's, it's something I can't stand to see in the sense in the law anywhere, really. So, yeah. so yes. <laughs> and it's why you so rarely see it, you know, like, or it's, if, if you do, it's not for more than a second because it's. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, well, the good thing, the one good thing about being an online publication is you, if there is a mistake, you can actually fix it. In print is completely unforgiving. It goes out and that's it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it rarely, I mean, there's been a few occasions where we've had a little error go out or something, but, then, mm. you know, and then the story has, you know, been edited, you know, yeah. immediately. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, yeah, I think the quality, frankly, comes from um, perhaps, I don't know, my OCD tendencies yeah. <laughs> in some ways. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Well, we love that. Um, so in, in it's a, a last, few, last few moments of this interview, I thought you've got a captive audience. Um, would you like to say anything to them? Would you like to put a call out for people? Oh, well, like I would just either? like to say, fr- frankly, thank you to everyone who who reads The Sentinel and who supports The Sentinel and who, who has, you know, um, shared our articles. Um, we are still, I mean, a year isn't that long. We are still relatively new and, and um, we value and, and frankly need your support. So if you, you know, and that includes just reading us, that includes sharing our content mm. uh, or that includes donating if you'd like to donate and support us in that way. And But the main message I want to say is just thank you. Thank you for being our audience uh, because it's a wonderful thing to to um, start up a publication and to have an audience of readers. And I'm so mm. pleased, you know, in the back end of the site, we can see our readership and I'm so pleased to see it going up and up over time. So indeed. Yeah. Indeed. So thank you is what I'd say. <laughs> That's a wonderful way. That's a wonderful way to end our interview. It's, it's, um, it's, it is a very magical thing to have something that you've created become a part of people's everyday lives, part of their media reading habits, you know, um, yeah. the, the place that they turn to for news and information. That's really wonderful, Peter. Congratulations on thank the you. And- birthday of the Sydney Sentinel. Uh-huh. And thank um, you so much, Travis. And the other big thank you, obviously, I have to say, is to all our contributors and our section editors. Yay, and that's each and every yeah. one of you have helped make the Sentinel what it is. So yeah, absolutely. You can you can actually read about all of those people as well as these great articles that we have at sydneysentinel.com.au. Um, thank you for talking about all of these things and um uh thanks so much for your time talking about this, Peter. Well, and here's you, to the next 12 months. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. You've been a huge part of the Sentinel success to date and as feature editor and podcast producer, but also as a as a fantastic ideas man. And and your creativity and positivity has really been one of the best things to have happened. Um, Thanks, Peter. Sentinel. Really, really yeah. pleased. Really pleased. And thank you to our audience for listening to us um, talk about ourselves for a little bit. But I thought it was a very important moment. <laughs> you've, got to, you've got to mark these milestones, right? Well, yeah, and it's not something we'd usually do but it is our first birthday so i think yeah absolutely yeah well look that that brings us then i suppose to the end of of the latest episode of the sentinel speakeasy um we have new episodes every tuesday afternoon and you can tune in on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify buzzsprout or wherever you get your podcasts and as Peter and I mentioned before, there are many ways that you can support us. One of support us. One of those is uh, to like and follow us on our social media. So on Facebook at the Sydney Sentinel, on Instagram at Sydney underscore Sentinel, and on Twitter at Sydney underscore Sentinel. And remember, for more news as well as a huge range of arts and entertainment content, feature articles, interviews, opinion, and queer vegan and youth content, you can visit 
uh, our website anytime at sydneysentinel.com.au. Well, thanks so much for joining us on this episode and a special thanks to all of our readers and listeners for your support over the past year. We will catch you next week. We will indeed. See you next week. Bye. Bye.